this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive on Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. I'll up my energy game now. So this morning we're in chapter 4 of John, and it's going to be a long passage, but I wanted to read the whole passage. Well, actually, I didn't even choose all of it, but a lot of it, because this happens to be the longest converse- recorded conversation Jesus has with anyone in all of Scripture. And it happens to be a conversation with a Samaritan woman with a painful past. So I'm going to read... Most of the whole exchange here, beginning in verse 4, where it lets us know that Jesus must travel through Samaria country. It says he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw near, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I might never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You will worship what you worship, what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came, and they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? And then the woman left her water jar, went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? 
Well, it's high noon and Jesus is resting. Do you know what it feels like at high noon in Israel? Hot. It's hot. The sun is blazing down. It's the hottest time of the day. This woman is coming to the well at the hottest time of the day and Jesus is sitting there. The woman, the well was the heart of the community. Everyone needed the well to survive. It's what you uh, fed your animals with. It's what you used to drink and cook and bathe. And going to the well or the river is still very much a part of a reality for millions of people all around the world who still get their water this way. It was a job, as it is still today, that is mostly relegated to women and girls. It astounds me, frankly, that in 2022, we still have so many people who do not have access to clean and safe drinking water around the world. If you know about our long-term partnership with Nicaragua, with a ministry called CEPAD, that has been their focus for recent years, is trying to have rural communities have access to clean and safe drinking water. It's some of the many, many projects that Week of Compassion supports. When you give to this special offering, you are supporting clean water projects all around the world. I remember my own experience in Nicaragua working with Sapad. We happened to be going to a very rural village, actually a native community there in Nicaragua, and where Spanish was their second language. And we had to haul all this water with us for us foreigners to be able to drink and survive off. And I remember my first time as a young person being aware every time I spilled a little bit of water how costly that was because I knew how hard and expensive it had been for us to get that water to drink. And I remember my own awareness of how the folks who were helping to feed our group, two women spent all day, all day, working to prepare every single meal. As soon as the meal was done, the dishes would be collected and we would start walking down the path towards the river to wash our dishes in to begin immediately the process of work for our next meal. Water is the heart of every community. And this Samaritan comes to this well, but there is a hint of something different about her. Scholars point out that she comes to the well at high noon and alone. First of all, you don't come at the hottest part of the day unless you have to. You go in the early morning hours to get the water you need for the day. Was she trying to avoid seeing other people? Did she not want to come in contact with other people? We're not really sure. Maybe she was just the unlucky designee of her household to go and get the water when they needed it. But she is by herself and she is getting this water when she runs into this rabbi who asks for a drink. Now this is shocking here. In their day and time, there were clear lines of division between women and talking to men, uh, a rabbi, a holy man talking to anybody else, let alone a Samaritan, a heathen, a religious heretic to that community. It was shocking. And she is shocked that Jesus is talking to her, that is asking her, of all people, for a drink. Now, there's been many many sermons, many talks about this woman. I've, I've heard series about her that talk about her, her shame, her promiscuity, her sin. We do hear that she 
was married five times, and the the husband, wait, the man she is with is not her husband, but it is important to know, to try to see her with generous eyes here, because it's good to keep in mind what it was like for a woman in first century Palestine, women who had no autonomy, no rights, marriages would have been arranged for them by their fathers, and they couldn't, Dolly had not yet declared that we could work nine to five to make a living. Um, they were totally dependent upon the men relatives in their lives that dictated so much about their existence. This is probably not a woman who has been out there looking for some husband upgrades. This is a woman who has had to endure five husbands, and the one she's with now is not her husband. We don't know how this has come to be, but we know that she is probably a person with a mountain of pain in her life. When Jesus spoke with the woman who was caught in adultery, he actually told her to go and sin no more. But he does not say this to the Samaritan woman at all here. He must have recognized that this is a woman who has had to endure some crushing disappointments in her life. The Samaritan woman, well, by the way, actually, let's even point this out here. The fact that we do not know her name, she's only known as the Samaritan woman at the well, is another example of what it was to be a woman in her time and place, that scripture does not even remember her name. But she is there, and she ends up having this theological conversation with Jesus about where her community thinks it's important to worship and where his community thinks it's important to worship. And uh, she's interested, especially when Jesus tells her that, he, that someone has living waters, living waters where she would never be thirsty again. And she's interested. She'd like some of that living water. And Jesus tells her to go and fetch her husband. And she speaks her painful truth. I don't have a husband. I wonder if her voice cracked when she said that out loud. Sometimes when we speak something, especially that's painful to us out loud, it's a lot harder to say, isn't it? I don't have a husband. She tells Jesus her painful truth, and he tells her he knows it already. And then Jesus begins to tell her something he has not said to anybody yet in all of John's gospel. I am he, the Messiah, the Christ, the one everyone's been waiting for. It's the first time he says that in John's gospel. And now later, the disciples arrive, and they'll be shocked and scandalized by seeing their rabbi talking to this Samaritan woman. They will bust up the conversation. She will take the hint and move on quickly. But she leaves her old water jars behind, and she goes proclaiming about the living waters in Jesus Christ. Come. And see this man who has told me everything I've ever done. He didn't, did he? But it sure felt like it. It must have felt like it to be seen and known and heard and have someone hear it with compassion. It must have felt like she was free of a heavy, painful burden in her life. Jesus listened and knew her. She dropped her old water jars and claimed a new identity in Jesus Christ, living waters. And I didn't read it today, but later down the road in verse 39, 
It says that many Samaritans in the city came to believe in Jesus because of this woman's testimony. Many Samaritans came to believe in Jesus because of this woman's story. The woman at the well, she did not leave the same person she came there. Meeting Jesus changed her. She became an evangelist, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Many Samaritans became Followers of Jesus, because of her story, her encounter with Jesus changed her life, and she told other people about it, about the moment she met Jesus at the well. She didn't leave the same person as she came. And I wonder this morning how good all of you are at talking about your faith. Maybe even to ask the question this morning starts to give you a little panic as you start to think, oh, I am not one of those Christians. I'm a, I'm a polite Christian. I'm a nice Christian. The last thing we want someone in the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, is to describe us as pushy people. We want to be polite Christians, right? What's that old line um, when someone asks you, have you found Jesus? You can just say, I didn't know he was lost. Anybody heard that? Well... Sometimes, though, I think we have gotten so scared of being mistaken for one of those kinds of Christians that we end up not saying anything at all. We don't talk about our faith to anyone. But like the woman at the well who dropped those old water jars and went running to tell the story, you all have stories, too. You have stories, moments, encounters with God and Jesus and the sacred and divine that have changed you. Moments in your life that have made you a different person. Maybe it's the first time you remember feeling that nudge to claim your faith and to get baptized. Maybe it's a moment when you stood at the bedside as someone began to breathe their last breaths and your heart was breaking, but you knew God was there. You knew that it was holy and sacred. I hear stories from you all the time, stories about second chances and new beginnings, stories about God's grace and mercy and forgiveness at work in your life, stories of finding a purpose and a calling or that detour in life, that thing you wished never happened that ended up being one of the most greatest blessings of your life, you all have got stories, church. You do. And when we share these stories, our truth, our experiences, I think it helps all of us to recognize those stories within our own lives, to say, me too. I felt that. I've been there. And we can take strength in the journey together. We can be stronger together. You know, the woman at the well became an evangelist. She shared her story, and other people followed Jesus because of her life. Just this last week, I was finishing up upstairs here, and I was walking down just about the time Logos downstairs in the education wing was dismissing. And I happened to catch... Some of the youth sponsors and some of the younger class leaders all saying goodbye to the kids. And it suddenly struck me, I had so much gratitude that every kid, every kid and teenager who walks through those doors are met with such love. 
absolute love because we have committed people who love Jesus, who are ready to teach our children the stories of faith and the songs of our faith, and they love them well. And church, we are so incredibly blessed by that. And I say that this morning as a parent myself, blessed. The woman at the well and Jesus were clearly from two different worlds, but she found freedom in being seen and heard by Jesus. He changed her life. One conversation in the heat of the day changed her life, and she had to leave her old water jars and go tell other people about it. So let me start this morning by sharing with you one of my own stories of my faith. And forgive me if you've heard it before, because it happens to be on the highlight reel of my own life. But years ago, I took a group of teenagers to Washington, D.C. for a service and mission week. And we stayed at National City Christian Church, which is just not just a few blocks away from the White House. It was such a cool and fun spot to be, and we served at area nonprofits all week long. And this one particular night, our group was split into two different groups, and I ended up going with another adult volunteer and taking four teenage girls to serve a meal at a halfway house for women who have come off the streets, who had been living on the streets. And they had told us to prepare a meal for ten residents, but only four showed up. And so at first it was a little bit awkward because there's literally six of us there to serve four people. And eventually, at some moment, someone invited us to sit down and just eat with them, and we did, and we were all sitting down together and eating, and everyone was making polite, get-to-know-you type conversations. When um, one of the women, one of the residents, asked one of the teen girls that she was sitting next to a very simple question, she said, how many brothers and sisters do you have? And I remember in that moment I had a, I had a knot in my throat. Because what that woman did not know is that that teenager, Emma, had just buried her sister just two months before. And probably being from a small town, that was probably the first time someone had ever asked her that question since she had lost her sister. And I, Emma paused and I could tell that she was struggling to answer. But she said, I have, I'm the oldest, I have a baby sister, she's eight. And my middle sister's Morgan, um, and uh, she just died a few months ago. And she was starting to cry, and the woman immediately took her hand and said, Are you telling me that you just lived through that, and you are here with me today serving me dinner? She said, Thank you. God bless you. You are a testimony to me, child. And then right after that, somebody else around the table chimed in that she too had lost a sister growing up and that she knew the pain of that experience. And after a while, and I can't even tell you how it came to be, I think earlier we had been joking and someone had mentioned that she used to lead her choir and sing solos in her choir growing up. And someone asked her, put her on the spot, so why don't you sing us something? And she did. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And we all started singing. And let me tell you, it was holy ground. Holy ground. 
God was in that place. God was there. And when we left that night, not a one of us left the same as we came. Tell your stories. Tell your stories, church. Now it's your turn. Amen. Thank you.